This episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. FX's The Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret, and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX's The Veil, now streaming, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey there, this is Matt Leggetti, your favorite comic book yeti. Did you know that if enough people listen to this podcast, advertisers give us money? Money we can then use to, say, pay our journalists. It's wild. Totally unrelated, we make this podcast using Anchor by Spotify. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Even Grant can do it, and he's a grandpa when it comes to technology. Love you, Grant. Let me fill you in on what some of us in the industry call reasons to believe. Anchor has tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. When hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcast, and more and they make it super easy. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. And best of all, Anchor's totally free, which is great when you're, say, a comic book journalism website who lives on donations and boyish charm. Download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's anchor.fm. And hey, I love you. You are listening to Into the Comics Cave with your host, comic book heartthrob, Grant Stoy. Hello and welcome back. We have a very special guest uh, with us today. You may know her from her work on Crown and Anchor. You may know her for her from her work on SideQuest and any other myriad D&D commissions she does that just like blows people's minds. This is Alaire Rask. Hey! Grant, how are you? I hope you don't mind that I'm wearing my hot dog suit to uh, this podcast today. Yeah, it's a shame that this isn't a visual medium because it looks terrific. I don't understand how you actually got pickles to stay on the hot dog. Oh, uh, I used some garlic aioli. It's wonderful. It's a great condiment adhesive for sandwiches and hot dogs. And I just feel bad because you have to constantly just swipe it out of your face. Oh, I just embrace it. I just lick it off. It's, <laughs> you know. <laughs> well, I'm so, that's a great jumping off point. Uh, <laughs> Alaire, I want to know, where did you grow up? <laughs> if you can tell by my hot dog suit, uh, I grew up in Washington State uh, in a little town called Richland. Fun fact, it was 
created back in the 50s when uh, World War II was going on. Uh, if you haven't heard of the Hanford site, that's where they built the B-52 bombs. And a lot of people still work at that site, not no building kidding. bombs, but cleaning up radiation. Yeah, and my mom used to work there as a data entry person. I don't know what data she was entering. Um, bomb stuff? Yeah, definitely bomb stuff. So another fun fact, our high school mascot was the Richland Bombers, oh which gosh. may or may not be uh, aging very well today, but... <laughs> You know what? The time was pretty cool. So that's where I grew up. <laughs> that's so wild. Like, what was there before the 1950s? Was it just, like, open area? Yeah, I don't think anything was there. I think the town was only built just to house uh, government workers. And where was that in re- in relation to, like, Washington or Seattle or any other uh, kind so, of stuff? It's about four hours away from Seattle and about an hour from the Oregon border and about two three hours from the idaho border so southeastern bottomish of washington now is was it a big town no i mean it's it's grown exponentially since i left home but yeah i mean it started out really tiny and then people actually started moving there and raising families there so it just kept growing it's a wonderful place to raise a family i had a great like childhood there yeah, and it was nice being so close to, like, you know, Seattle and the other two states, because we went to Oregon a lot for, I guess you could call them family vacations. It was mostly, you know, funerals or uh, <laughs> family reunions, but no, nah, it was it was really nice growing up in that spot. It's not the nice, rainy, lush, green area that people think of when they think Washington. Yeah. Uh, we're best known for tumbleweeds. Really? Uh, we... <laughs> I think one year there were so many tumbleweeds in Richland that it like literally blocked a highway road. So (laughs) that's where I grew up. What's funny is that this could all be a lie and I'd still be like, wow, tumbleweeds (laughs) only started in 1950? Oh my gosh. I promise it's not a lie, especially with the tumbleweeds. So many freaking tumbleweeds. All year round, it's pretty much just brown hills and farmland and just boring flatness so that's the part of washington i grew up in how in the world did like you develop artistic sensibilities in like a small town in the middle of who knows where well it wasn't like a small town like there's only 15 people living there (laughs) Uh, 15 people in a traffic light yeah exactly uh this was more like you know place with like maybe thirty thousand people okay no, it's got to be more than that now. I mean, it is more than that. It might be even close to the size of Waterloo, where there's like 130,000 people. Oh, wow. So like, but yeah, we're just spread out. But I played a lot of video games, so we weren't totally behind in the times. My friends and I grew up with Pokemon and Digimon and all that stuff, and we all enjoyed Toonami. And oh, yeah. I went to daycares and babysitters a lot because both my parents worked. So in order to escape the fact that I had to be at a babysitter's, I would play lots of video games. Uh, so hooray escapism. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and were you NES or Sega? I would say NES. My first console was the Super Nintendo. And well, we know. always played Donkey Kong Country 2. It was, it was a good time. We would eat Chewy Chips Ahoy when they were actually good back then. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They're disgusting now, but back then they were mm. excellent. 
why Super Nintendo over Genesis? This is the Sega kid in me demanding rationale. I will say it was my dad's fault when <laughs> I, you know, as soon as I became a conscious human being, there was the Super Nintendo. So I don't know why he picked Super Nintendo. <laughs> maybe my brother picked it. Maybe my sister picked it. I have no idea. But it was just there. Yeah. And so like the the aesthetic qualities of video games kind of stuck with you. Oh, yeah. I mean, it definitely started with just like cartoons. And then uh, once I got into like Final Fantasy, like my art style really took off and changed because these video games were really beautiful and the art style was amazing. And I was like, I want to I want to do this. I want to be like that. I just want to be so good that people feel bad about their own art. And I want to be amazing. <laughs> that was that was young me. Older me doesn't feel that way all the time. <laughs> but no, like video games were just a wonderful, just a wonderful way to help me develop my art. Cause like, yeah, if something new and better comes out that I think is really pretty, well, yeah, I want that. Like I want to encompass that or incorporate that somehow. I want to learn from that. So yeah, I would say video games were definitely my biggest influence. Um, and then probably manga because you know, that actually is just drawings in a book and they are comics you know so there was that too so just all of that in my childhood just really got me into art so yeah and you went to BYU correct yes I went to the one in Idaho so okay. definitely not as big as the one in Utah but I feel like a lot more I don't know. I saw more diversity in Idaho, which is hilarious because it's Idaho. Yes, quite. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, I had a really great experience there with the art program. I had wonderful professors and I was probably the only one doing comics as like my thing. <laughs> so you had a lot of like fine art students and you had the people who were horny for animation. And then you had the people that wanted to do games. And then you had me and I was just like, here, I drew this comic page on a napkin, you know, uh, but my professors were really accommodating and they were very helpful in just helping me learn the basics and composition and being like, yeah, I don't get comics, but you know what you've made, you can improve this way or yeah, we can change this project so that you can do comics instead of, you know, this or that. And that's also where I met Tobin. I wish I could have gone there longer because it was just so much fun and I met so many wonderful people. How would you say your art evolved being in college and studying illustration like that? Well, first of all, I was self-taught up until that point. Really? Yes. <laughs> a lot of my, I don't think a lot of my art teachers liked me because, you know, I was one of those kids that did anime mm. and they're like, this is disgusting. And I'm like, you're disgusting. I hate every assignment that we're doing. Um, sounds like it would have been the worst fourth grade PTA meeting. <laughs> right. Oh my gosh. I mean, but I also had a lot of like art teachers kind of let me do what I want. Yeah. But I remember in high school specifically, this one teacher, it was funny because I think she hated my art, but I really hated her art too. <laughs> And, you know, she was, you know, this local artist that everyone bought paintings from. And I'm like, I don't know why people like, you know, it was college where it was like, okay, you need to do the basics and then you could do this and this and this. So I was there doing the basics and, you know, you are put in things like head drawing and figure drawing and, you know, 
coloring and painting and all those kinds of classes. So, I mean, I actually learned what, like, <laughs> I learned composition and it's not called a main focus, but it's like your main focus. When you look at a picture, where does your eye go first? Oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, I don't know what it's called. I can't think of it. <laughs> um, you know, and then actual coloring and lighting and perspective. And I'm just like, yep, I was a dumb kid. I didn't know a lot of this stuff. <laughs> and I'm still a dumb kid because I don't study any further because I'm so busy. Taking art classes at a university level was life-changing. Oh, Absolutely. Oh, and that's where I learned about line weight. So now my comics have line weight. <laughs> what? What is line weight? So picture, okay, have you seen like the drawings on the box, like at the boxes, excuse me, on the boxes of like Ikea furniture and stuff? Yes. Okay. So that's a great example of line weight. When you're doing the details, the lines are nice and thin. And then on the outside, it's a big thick outline and stuff so you're just like here you go but then you use line weight to depict depth and and things like that so if you look at a coloring book that's like it has a background and someone in the foreground they most likely use line weight so yeah I didn't use that until like the very end of my college days where I was like oh wow this makes a huge difference (laughs) (laughs) and at what point did western comics into your life oh man uh, probably after I met Tobin, because <laughs> before I was like, I like manga and video games, and I don't read comics. And then he was like, no, you need to read some comics. And I'm like, but I already make comics. Why do I need to read them? Um, oh. I know. I know. <sighs> I know. Shut up. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I mean, I still don't read them all the time, but he got mm-hmm. me on some, some really good comics, like, uh, I just recently read East of West and that was incredible. Yeah. We read a lot of image before, you know, the pandemic and things started to kind of wind down. Um, I remember loving limbo by Casper Wingard and Dan waters. I can't forget him. He's kind of the guy who writes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Don't ever forget the writers. (laughs) I'm so sorry. Um, what else did he make me read? Oh, I read, uh, Oh shoot. Chrononauts was like amazing. Oh, yeah. And that's that's how I got into like Sean Murphy's work for a while. I kinda I kinda fell off the boat when he did Batman stuff because I was like, I'm not really interested in Batman, but Yeah. I started reading Chu. What'd you think? Um, I got to like the hardcover book three. <laughs> so I don't I think I'm in like I'm almost at the halfway point. It's funny, but I don't know if I'll finish it. But do you know what I wish I could finish? What? Freaking Outer Darkness, but it got canceled. That's the worst. I know. Gosh, like, Layman had such a wonderful idea with that. And Afu-chan is amazing. I would have loved to finish reading that. But yeah, there's Birthright. We've been reading Klaus. We've been reading Once in Future and Die. <laughs> Sorry, voice crack. I guess I'm going through puberty a sixth time. Um, well, you know, it's great to, to get that, that last one done. Yep, it's over now. No more. It's not going to happen ever again. Um, oh, okay. I really love Jeff Lemire's Moon Knight. That oh, was yeah, with Greg Smallwood? Yes, that was my favorite. I love Greg Smallwood's art. But like anything by Dan Mora is also just incredible. Mm-hmm. Oh, and then Jim Zub stuff. There's Wayward. Wayward was really oh, fun. Yeah. And Skull Kickers. Anyways, those are some examples. 
yeah, I feel like back in like 2014 to like 2018, Image just cranked out so many good titles. Oh, absolutely. And then before that, it was just manga. Not a lot of it. I would, I would go to Barnes and Noble with my dad, and you know he'd look at his books, and I would go check out the manga. And so I started a lot of series, but didn't finish any of them because I'm like, I don't have any money. Right. So I know a lot of titles from back then, but yeah, I've only, I've only read like three or four manga series from start to finish because I, I have them now. So and there are a thousand volumes. Yeah. Well, I don't have one piece yet, oh, gosh. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we have Full Metal Alchemist. We have Witch Hat Atelier, which is phenomenal um she got an eisner award oh, which really? is yeah well, Kamome shirahama is an incredible artist and storyteller and then we have ice shield 21 which is the best sports manga because it's really funny and really wholesome what do you think about like america's reluctance to accept sports in comic form is that really a thing it's what it seems like outside of like check please and a couple other Actually, I can't think of any that aren't, like, manga-derived uh, sports comics. Oh, man. Shoot. Aren't there, like, boxing or wrestling ones in the West? There's a, there's now more wrestling comics. Okay. I don't know. I mean, manga does sports manga really well, mm-hmm. but I don't know why Western comics can't do that. Do they think it's, do they think it's too boring or too challenging? I have no idea. I don't, I don't know. know. Seeing... Like sports manga and how your own art style is uh, inspired by that, like with the the action lines and how it captures a- action so well, you think it'd be more of a more of a thing over here. Yeah, that's yeah. I never actually thought of it because I don't really, you know, read many sports titles. But maybe people just don't like drawing the same uniform two thousand times. But because <laughs> yeah, like the guy who draws. I shield 21. He has to draw so many football uniforms. Well, <laughs> like, you know, can you imagine? Some, some poor sap has to draw all the webs on Spider-Man. It doesn't seem to bother them. Uh, that's true, but it's just... <laughs> I don't know. That's more like connect the dots. You just... Uh, yeah, that's a great question. I don't know the answer. I want to say laziness or people just like watching sports on TV instead. But if they want to get some people into comics, maybe they should make more sports comics. Yeah. But I guess you have to know how to read. So, What is something that gets your creative energies flowing? That's a good question, because I don't feel like I've had creative energy in, in a couple <laughs> years, not since having a child. I was going to say, did that coincide <laughs> with anyone coming into your life? Yes. Uh, gosh. Okay, fun fact for those who may or may not care. But when a woman has a baby, her brain goes through this thing that people call uh mom brain and basically she just forgets a lot of things and it's hard to concentrate on things because her brain is literally being reconstructed okay it's taking some sections of your brain and shrinking them and putting more things into other parts of your brain and enlarging them because you now have this baby to take care of so like your hormones change your brain chemistry changes and it's it's very hard to do a lot of things. Um, I don't know if it ever goes away. I hope that it does. <laughs> but there are lots of ways to to help with that. But um, I think that's one big reason my 
creative flow has been altered is because my brain is just still in construction. Yeah, it's weird. That's wild. Yeah. Isn't biology fascinating? I would say it honestly comes from like playing a really good game or watching typically animation that is just that I really like um, consuming, I guess. Um, What shows are doing it for you now? Oh, man. Uh, We just got done watching (laughs) The Great Canadian Baking Show, which is not only the most wholesome baking show, but like it is just art that you eat because these people are fantastic. I really, every time I see it on Netflix, it's Dragon Quest, the movie. (laughs) It's really cute and I love it. And it's full of puns and the art style is really well done. And it's just wonderful. And right now I'm playing Chrono Cross, hopefully all the way through for the first time. But I really like their character design and their world design. And it's like, yeah, I like this and I'm gonna I'm gonna steal it. You know, not copy it outright, but be like, this is, you know, I want to incorporate no, something it, like this. Yeah, you you just admitted to plagiarism, so uh I'll be yeah. auctioning off this. This but, real. but everything's a remix. I mean, <laughs> if you want to know where... Okay, if you want to know where D&D comes from, it comes from Lord of the Rings. If you want to know where RPGs come from, they come from D&D, which come from Lord of the Rings. Everything's a remix. Side quest <laughs> comes from D&D, which comes from Lord of the Rings. So really, all of us are plagiarizing Lord of the Rings. <laughs> if you like knights and orcs and all that crap, it's because of Lord of the Rings. You're welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yep. There, there are hobbit feet at the door. Yes, mm-hmm. that's right. What was the first comic you you took a commission for? <laughs> okay, um, I have to think back to the Reddit days in 2016. Oh boy, the first ones I remember. There's three of them. There was one from this kid, and I do say he's a kid, but I'm because I'm pretty sure he was younger than me, and yet he was commissioning me, and I felt really weird about that. Oh, wow. He was like this preppy, yacht-riding kid that wanted to make a comic, and he didn't really know where he wanted it to go, but he's like, can I have, like, eight pages to pitch? And I'm like, yeah, whatever. And my rate was $40 a page, and he was like, I can I can pay you 30 And I was like, okay, sure. And it was totally not worth the money. I was like, ugh, barf. Um, and then the next one I remember... It's doing Thorn Squadron for my friend Wilfred Estevez. And you can find Thorn Squadron on Webtoons and Tapas. And then the third one I remember was God Says Hi with Grant Stoyoyoyoy. Oh, wow. <laughs> wowie, wowie. <laughs> I realized that was like one of your very first commissions. Yes. Yep. It was like as soon as I graduated, I sat down at my computer. I put out an ad saying I did comics. And then those are the first three I remember. So. There you go. And how do you feel your art has changed since Reddit days to now <laughs> it like doing amazing stuff in Crown and Anchor? It isn't terrible anymore. <laughs> Back then it was passable. And there were a few things that I was like, yeah, I did a good job back then. But now things are a lot better and I don't want to go back there. Grant, you are a subscriber to my newsletter and you've seen how um, terrible Crown and Anchor used to look. <laughs> See, this... I. The first volume of Crown Anchor, I thought, looked good. Okay, it but looks, it does. 
but like the very first first pages of crown and anchor before we rewrote it back in 2015 oh, wow. those first pages were abysmal <laughs> but now i think we actually started being serious about it in like 2017 that's when we had rewritten it and we were like yeah we're going for it and then we uploaded it on uploaded it online for about a year and then we kickstarted the first book in 2018 <laughs> and i'm still very happy with that book yeah there are some like anatomical issues here and there because i was like i don't know how to draw but you know i did my best but like i'm still so happy with that book uh but now like book two is even better because you know whenever i switch projects and i come back to crown and anchor i feel like i've just gotten so much better which is a good feeling. It's weird because when I work on side quest, I'm like, yeah, here we go. And then I go back to Crown and Anchor and I get really intimidated because I'm like, am I still going to be good at this? And then I'm like, oh, yeah, I did learn some things while working on this other project. And now my artwork's better. Tobin said this the other day, but like you look at Crown and Anchor with screen tones and it looks like how it's always supposed to look. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just how it's meant to look this whole time. So that's really nice too. And my screen toning takes forever, but I like how it looks. You know, I don't use Clip Studio to paint where like it's, you know, it's made for comic artists. I use these brushes by my friend who just made a crap ton of shoujo manga brushes. And I basically paint it. And then I put on like two or three different layers at different opacities. And then I put on a white layer to do like shading Mm -hmm. or highlights and shading and I just erase the white layer until it looks good and that's my comic page (laughs) and yeah I always think oh it'll take me like an hour and it takes me like three hours to do screen tones because I always want to add stuff or I want to try something new but yeah like crown and anchor is like my playground I mean I try to do some some playing and like side quests and things like that you know, I want to try new things, but Crown and Anchor is where I just really just go, yep, I'm going to do it. And if it sucks, it sucks. But, you know, got to get her done. So. <laughs> I feel like get her done is basically comics uh, underlying <laughs> motto. Absolutely. Gosh, we don't know when you'll get her done. It might be a year. It might be three years from now, but you'll get her done. Just, <laughs> just do it. So let's say that a very specific genie emerges from a can of tuna. And the genie looks at you and he says, I can only kind of grant a wish with a stipulation. Uh-huh. Let's say that you want to be the best artist on earth. However, the stipulation is that you sweat ketchup. Hmm. Would you accept that deal? Question is, my counter question is, do I sweat a lot or just a little bit? And where does most of the sweat come out? And does this, I guess the ketchup would stain my clothes, huh? Mm-hmm. It's ketchup. Okay, so I basically have to wear like nursing pads in my armpits. Mm-hmm. Um, that would wear be really a lot inconvenient. Of red clothes. Oh, I wouldn't be able to swim in pools unless I wasn't sweating, but I'm always sweating. Oh, man. I don't know, man. I, I like wearing clothes most of the time, <laughs> and I like swimming and. You know, I like having friends, so I'd probably say, you know, if I'm if I'm the best artist ever by the time I'm like 70, let it be. <laughs> let it, <laughs> let, you know, it, 
Yeah, go back into your can of tuna. I don't think I can deal with sweating ketchup. I just imagine you taking the can of tuna and putting it back on the grocery shelf and saying, you're for another person. So is the can of tuna already open or does he just, I don't know, shift out like a ghost? Actually, no, it shouldn't have been a can of tuna. It should have been a pouch. You should eat tuna from, from pouches. Oh, gosh, I would never do that. So I would never encounter this genie in the real world, so I'm safe. <laughs> so basically, the end result is this whole scenario is just imp- improbable. It was just a fever dream, and I should probably go to the doctor. <laughs> <laughs> now, we're at the part uh, of this particular episode where I'm going to ask you a series of questions inspired by James Lipton from inside the, an- the actor's studio. Okay, I don't know what that is, but I'm, you know what, we're here to learn. (laughs) We are here to learn. Gosh. So number one, what is your favorite sound effect in comics? Ooh, okay. It's, ever since I read East of West, there's this particular page where, oh, what is the horseman's name? It's one of the four horsemen, and they have this huge buster sword, and they're being shot at. So you see, like, where all the bullet trails are. And then with one massive swing, they just cause this earth-shattering slam. And I'm pretty sure the sound effect is just blam. But because of how it's composed, it's just so powerful. So I would say blam is my favorite. Hmm. When regarding to smashing something with a really big sword. (laughs) And what is something about the medium of sequential art that you love? I think just those beats in between the story beats. A reason I really love manga is because like they kind of take baby steps at times. You'll see like a panel of a window that's open or you'll see a panel of, you know, what's going on outside. But when it's a conversation between two more people, you can kind of see like the expression on their face. You can kind of see what they're feeling, what they're thinking about. And so I like that added amount of emotion to my stories because it really adds to the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like in Western comics, you don't get those breaks. It's just, let's go, let's go, let's go. You don't really get to slow down and kind of see what they're feeling or feel what they're feeling. Um, and also, I just think, you know, humans are beautiful creatures and I love seeing their different expressions. You know, I love pictures of people just like, you know, they have their head tilted down. They're just looking. You could see their eyelashes and their eyelashes are beautiful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, they're, you know, that could be so many different emotions. We just don't know what's going on in their head. So that part about sequential art I really like is just taking time to look in between the scenes, in between the lines or whatever. <laughs> but it's also fun just having these panels lead up to a moment, you know, whatever moment that is. Um, I think that's what I like most. And then in comics, you're just expected to learn how to draw everything. So that's fun. Like as a concept artist, maybe you have only one focus, either characters or props or environments. And then comics, it's like, hey, can you draw a forklift? Can you draw the superhero getting impaled by a forklift? I'm like, sure, I can (laughs) figure that out. The forklift is driven by a horse. Exactly. Horse with a hat. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It has to be a, a bowler hat, though. Or a fez. Let's make it a fez. Yeah. yeah. So you just you just kind of learn how to draw all these new things because that's what the writer demands. And it's like, okay, 
Now I know how to draw someone being impaled by a forklift being driven by a horse wearing a fez. Cool. And what's something about the medium that you dislike? Oh, how much time it takes, I guess. Mm. Um, I wish it, I mean, yeah, I wish it just didn't take so long, but I don't know if that's my real answer either. My other answer that I thought of is <laughs> like, just maybe not the best stories or something like there's so many good stories out there in comic form. And there's also so many bad ones. Oh yeah. But I feel like that's what it is with anything, you know, movies, TV shows. I guess I also don't like the stigma of comics being like, you know, oh, well, only children read comics. Well, not even children read comics. I mean, they do now because there's these amazing graphic novels for kids now. Mm -hmm. um, stuff that did not exist when, like, I was a kid um, that I, I want all my kids to read because I'm like, oh, this has to go on the list and this and this and this. My brain kind of derailed after that. But <laughs> yeah, I just, I don't like the stigma. I wish people got more excited when you're just like, yeah, I make comics. Oh, like, like Garfield, like superheroes. No, 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 no. We're telling stories. We're not just doing, you know, one-liners and we're not just doing, you know, anatomically disproportionate people in skin tight suits. Mm -hmm. Like it, there's more to it. You know, there's. There's a story and then a one-liner. There's a story and then a disproportionate person in the skin tight suit. I, I want people to understand comics does not always mean superheroes right. or slapstick, but people just, people need to read more comics and people need to make more good comics. And there's so many on Kickstarter. So I'm like, okay, let's, let's get these made. <laughs> and what is your favorite curse word that's not actually a curse word? In our house, we say balls a lot when we mess up or something goes wrong. Uh, I wanted to kind of uh, replace holy moly with something else. So I was like, holy Moses. But I'm like, no, Moses was an all right guy. Maybe it could be like holy moose butts or flying farting moose butts. I don't know. But that's also really hard to say in the moment. So I'm still coming up with something. Because also holy guacamole is too long, too. Mm -hmm. But we say balls a lot. And <laughs> let's say that you've just died, okay? Okay. A rogue <laughs> can of tuna has cut you to ribbons. Dang it, that genie, he really wanted me to sweat ketchup. Yeah. You show up at the pearly gates and you're greeted by Jacob Kurtzberg, a.k.a. Jack Kirby himself. Oh, wow. Hey. What do you hope he says to you? Never mind. <laughs> My first thought was <laughs> that I draw better than him. Um, <laughs> I'm one of those terrible people. I didn't like the golden age style of comics, but that's also not what I grew up with. So I understand people who love it and they, you know, they, they grew up with that art style. They practice that art style. That is their art style. That's fantastic. Everyone needs someone that they can emulate. I do not emulate Jack Kirby. So I hope he says something more along the lines of, hey, I read your book. I liked it. Good job. I don't know. That's actually a, an uncanny impersonation of him. Oh, wait, what's he sound like? <laughs> Young whippersnapper. No, that, there you go. Wow, you could be, you could be <laughs> wow. a professional impersonator. Oh, my goodness. I should do that. <laughs> and with that glorious impression, we've reached the end of our particular episode. 
Alir, thank you so much for, for answering questions and uh, giving us all a look into what makes you you. <laughs> Thanks for dealing with me today. It was nice to be uh, invited. <laughs> now, how are folks going to find you on the social medias? Okay, you can find me mostly on Twitter. That's kind of my social media of choice at Shining Capella, which is S-H-I-N-I-N-G-C-A-P-E-L-L-A. I think I remember how to spell it. Or you could just look up my name, which no one can spell. So do Shining Capella. You'll be able to find me better that way. Um, you could also find our comics at rossico.art slash comics. And if you want to know how to spell Rossico, it's R-A-C-I-C-O-T. Um, you can find all of our stuff there. Me and Tobin share a website like we share a hot dog suit. He's in here too. So Yeah, I didn't want to say anything, but it looks extremely uncomfortable. Yeah, uh, holding your husband on your back for however long we've been here has not been pleasant. But you know what? I'm still in my childbearing years and I got to just, <laughs> you know, I got to get prepped <laughs> for when, you know, three different kids want to piggyback all at once. You know what? I'm going to be that mom. And I'm going to be like, you know what? I'm I'm tougher than other moms. I'm going to give you those piggybacks. Yeah. Say all right, kids. Hop yeah. in the hot dog suit. We're <laughs> going to Target. <laughs> yeah. On our on our unicycle. This has been a Comic Book Yeti production. You can find new episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and anywhere podcasts stream. For more information on the Comic Book Yeti, please visit comicbookyeti.com. And for more of Grant, visit grantstoy.com or on Twitter at Grant and Stuff. <laughs> <laughs>